May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At midweek communion on Thursday, we reflected on what a totally unexpected week it had been. How on Thursday morning, they had come to church with things much as normal, except for an inkling that the Queen was under medical supervision. And then later, the immediate family started to arrive at Balmoral, and throughout the day, newscasters who started the day wearing normal attire were gradually appearing on our screens in black. And then, in the late afternoon, it was announced that the Queen had died and we had a new King. All that happened between breakfast and tea. It seemed unbelievable that this could have happened in such a very short space of time. But it seems right that we should spend a few minutes reflecting on the life of this amazing Christian woman, this amazing Christian person. Because above all else, that is what she was. One of the things that touched me most this week is that her faith in God has been so widely and unashamedly recognised and acclaimed by people of Christian faith, other faiths, and of no faith. There has been no getting away from it. I can't recall who said it, but she was referred to uh, last week as the greatest evangelist of our time. And as I've reflected on that these past few days, I think it's so true. Clips have been shown of her Christmas Day addresses to the nation and her references to her faith have been constant and from the heart. Everything about her exuded qualities that could only be a gracious gift from God and a gift that was graciously accepted, treasured, and well used. The whole world has benefited from those gifts. And like the rest of us, she had a choice, didn't she? She didn't have to accept the gift. She could just have reigned using her status and the authority as queen to get her own way and to pick and choose what she did and didn't know do. But no, she truly was our gracious queen. She went through the same personal issues as many of us, juggling parenthood with work, but in her case, often having to be away for weeks at a time and missing so many milestones of her children's development. No smartphones then. No WhatsApp video calls. She saw the marriages of three of her children end in divorce. She experienced the death of a daughter-in-law at a young age. She weathered graciously public criticism 
for not immediately returning to London after Diana's death, as she tried to balance caring for her grieving grandsons against public duty. She stood by helplessly and watched her beloved Windsor Castle burn. She told us in her Christmas message what an honest, horribilous year she'd had. And we loved her for her honesty. I can't recall a time when it appeared that she was doing something simply out of duty and perhaps that's because there isn't one to recall. She was generous in sharing her knowledge and experience and several members of foreign royalty who've been interviewed this week have said how generous she was in helping them settle into their roles. And how privileged have we been this week to see her children performing their royal duties as they grieve. A true reflection that our Queen prepared her children not just to be good royals, but to be good and caring citizens too. They spent an incredible amount of time meeting and greeting the public this week. They know about duty, they know about hard work, but importantly, they know about humility and the importance of putting others first. When the hearse began its long journey from Balmoral back to Buckingham Palace, we heard that the Queen had had a say in its design. And as we have seen time and time again, it was not about her and what she liked, it was about how the public could get the best view of her coffin, hence the glass top. That was her priority. What should, could she practically do to make her death a better experience for us, her people? She made it known in advance that she wished Camilla to be known as Queen Consort upon Charles becoming king. She made her wishes known as to what uniforms her children should wear at her funeral. Every detail that could have caused controversy, she had covered in advance. She strove to the end to reign with dignity and to allow others dignity. On Thursday morning, I told a story that a colleague had shared with some of us, and you may have already heard it, but I think it's worth repeating. The great humanitarian and trauma surgeon, David Knott, found himself sitting next to the Queen at a lunch shortly after his return from volunteering in hospitals in Aleppo in Syria, where he had experienced the most terrible atrocities. And he says, I don't know why it happened or why it should have been the Queen who breached the dam. Perhaps it was because she is the mother of the nation and I had lost my own mother. 
but my bottom lip started to tremble. And all I wanted to do was burst into tears. But I held myself together as best I could. I hoped she wouldn't ask me another question about Aleppo. I knew if she did, I would completely lose control. The Queen looked at me quizzically and touched my hand. She then had a word with one of her courtiers, who went away and returned with the corgis. He pointed to the silver box in front of the Queen. I watched as she opened the box, which was full of biscuits. These are for the dogs, she said, breaking one of the biscuits in two and giving me half. We fed the biscuits to the corgis under the table and for the rest of the lunch, she took the lead and chatted about her dogs, how many she had, what their names were, how old they were. All the while, we were stroking and petting them and my anxiety and distress drained away. There, said the Queen, that's so much better than talking, isn't it? That depth of sensitivity and compassion can only come from a person grounded in their faith. And another thing that struck me this week is how warmly Charles has been received as king. I don't know about you, but I've not heard one negative comment. We might have expected to hear comments like, he'll never be able to replace his mother, he won't be a patch on her, and all the things that sometimes come out. But we haven't. We've embraced him. And from his first hours as king, when he left his car to speak to the crowds outside the palace, he has shown us that he is truly his mother's son. She has not trained and guided him to be a clone of her, but she has instilled in him values and given him the confidence to be himself to do his best and to act with integrity. We haven't always treated him well. For years he was ridiculed for his views on environmental issues and many other things which have since proved to be right. He never gave in simply to make life easier for himself and to gain popularity. He showed his understanding of the needs of young people when he set up the Prince's Trust and gave and still does give amazing opportunities to young people to enable them to succeed in life. He's shown them that with perseverance, things can, that seemed impossible can become possible. Like our Queen, he earned the respect of other world leaders. He's sometimes been accused 
of dabbling in other faiths. But this week, we have seen him genuinely declare fairly and squarely where his faith lies. Our Queen used her gifts wisely. She has shown humility, grace and forgiveness throughout her long reign. But most of all, she has shown the deepest love to us all. She was a true peacemaker. And as we continue with this period of mourning, leading up to the funeral tomorrow, may we reflect on the level of our own evangelism. Do we remember to give credit to our Lord when we do an act of kindness? Or do we just dismiss it? Or do we just take the credit for ourselves? Do we miss that opportunity to evangelize? Do we give prior thought and prayer to potentially difficult situations and how we might play a part in resolving them? Two verses came to mind this week which might help with our reflections. The first we often say during our services, and it's from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And the second is from Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Remain faithful to what you have learned and believe, because you know from whom you learned it. So let's finish with a short prayer. Loving God, your gift of faith is precious to us. Grant us the grace to live our lives in such a way that others may recognise Jesus in us. Amen. <laughs>